Space. Welcome to another episode of, uh, well, frontier. is this Loose Rants anymore? Because I put it on YouTube and I put the little badge to show it's a Loose Rants episode, but the YouTube channel doesn't know what Loose Rants is, so anyway, welcome to whatever welcome to whatever we're doing. <laughs> it, is, it is Loose Rants, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know, but the, 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 the YouTube gets more attention now. But we are here today because Adam has uh, decided to watch the entirety of Strange New World Season 1, and that's what we're going to talk about. Luckily for people who don't like me, and who think I'm spiteful, I don't know much about TOS. I haven't even finished watching all of TOS. I'm on Season 3, and Adam probably knows even less. You just want to watch it because it says Star Trek on the box, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and Adam... Adam is suffering some, from a sore throat, so for the rest of the uh, podcast, he'll be communicating with sign, okay? Yeah, sign language. YouTube watchers, it's okay. <laughs> this is the right time to do an AI version of your voice. Oh, that'd just, be good. Yeah, just speak, yeah. Just speak to that'd the AI. Nice. Just riff off whatever I type. Oh, is it? I can, I can type something and then it'll interpret what I want to say. That's good. Basically, yeah. So, did you really just want to watch Star Trek: Strange New Worlds because it says Star Trek, or were you actually what, what attracted you to it? Actually, you know what? What attracted to me is the way it looked different, separate away from the dark and broodiness that has become Star Trek. So, the lighter color palette is very, very—it's different. It's appealing. It's more attractive, and because it's based in around Kirk's era, isn't it? Around about that. Yeah, it's 10 years before TOS, I think. And because I knew totally the the the, uh, the tone of the show would be episodic and it'd be sort of based in sort of like every episode would be its own sort of self-contained episode. You could jump into any part of the season, fine. You know, you could just watch episode five, say, and start from there if you so chose. Or, you know, start any episode and get a feel for the show. Yeah, that's true. It is my favorite New Trek TV series after all. <laughs> I like the fact that every episode feels different. I like the fact that they deal with serious stuff, and also there are some fun episodes within the season as well. I like the fact that the more ignorant you are, and I mean, when I mean you, I mean you and me, the more ig ignorant we are about Star Trek, New Trek, the more enjoyable it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's so that's so layered with uh, <laughs> with double meaning, but okay. I, I just wanted to see what it was about, really. The fact that they said it was going to be episodic. And I thought, okay, let's, let's check it out. Let's see what happens. I do know that a lot of people don't like it because it's connected to Discovery, especially the first episode. Yeah. But then after that, it, it, is, it is its own thing, which, which I can see the potential of, but I have larger issues with, with the show. Sorry, that was my thing as well. Like it did the only dark sort of corner of this whole season is like the fact that it is linked a little bit to discovery hopefully season two and then moving forward it sort of steps away from that more and more as we go on yeah i think it will yeah it has to because discovery's gone yay did, did so did you have a standout episode i liked the episode where is it the doctor character he lives in his kids fairy tale sort of reimagining of the ship that was a only because it was different. It was, I didn't like fully. It's not my favorite episode. I did feel like it was a standout episode, as if like it was one of those fun episodes that um, I don't know harkens back to similar sort of episodes that were in uh, the original series and I think maybe even Star Trek: Next Generation. I'm sure they've had an episode similar where reality is sort of like bent to a certain degree. Even say like where they've met Q. Or something's happened on the holodeck, and they've sort of merged into the sort of the realms of reality and the holodeck sort of thing. I remember an episode was it Next Generation where they was it merged into World War Two era France occupied occupied France or something like that. I can't remember exactly. They I always know do they that. played around with that era. Yeah, they always play around <laughs> with that era. So yeah, you can't fail with an episode where you get to beat on Nazis. Yeah, it's a guarantee win. So. I liked, I, liked, I liked that because it took all the characters and so it made them change and sort of be a different character within their own characters that you know of the show. Someone like a plank of wood, like the 
is it the security officer or something? The yeah, Lal. Name? Lal, Lal like, or Noonien Singh, whatever. She's probably like my least favorite character on the show, but it made her be a different in that episode. So it was like, okay, she's. How can you say that when she's got two tragic backstories, Adam? She hasn't got one. She's got two. She should be more yeah. appealing to the audiences. <laughs> no, no. The way she speaks in general, and then just the way she talks back to Spock and stuff, it's just really weird. Yeah, she talks back to every every character on the ship, even though yeah. if they're a higher rank or regardless of anything like that, it's like you can't speak to people like that. You're you're in like basically a military type organization, and you're yeah. like having to go with people. Can't be doing that. Can't respect <laughs> rank, you idiot. Yeah, she plays a character called La'an Noonien Singh. Yeah, I was right. Lal La'an. Um, what I don't like about that, this is, one of, this is one of the things that piss people off about this, this TV show, is that, actually, I'll ask you, do you know what they're referencing when they say Noonien Singh? I've heard the term. I can't remember. Was it mentioned in Deep Space Nine and stuff like that in past Star Trek, you know? Well, they did mention it in one episode, but it's a Dr. Bashir episode where they find out he's genetically engineered. Right, okay, yeah, I remember that episode. Right, and they mentioned Noonien Singh there, but if that if that's if that's your strongest callback, then I have to I have to educate you, son. <laughs> yeah, I don't really fully know. Have you ever watched Star Trek Two? It's a little known film. Came after the first one, the motion picture. I probably have, but it's called I... The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, but I couldn't like. I remember it, but I just I haven't watched it. Okay, but you remember who the antagonist is? Yeah, yeah, he's genetically modified. Khan's like, yes, he has something. Yeah, it's DNA, yeah. Yeah, he's like a product of like the 1990s where they genetically engineered uh, people and he became like the ruler of Asia for, for a while and then he ex- exiled himself on the Botany Bay starship with some other genetically engineered enhanced humans. Basically, somehow, La'an Noonien Singh is like the great-great-granddaughter of Noonien Singh, of Khan. All right. and, and the thing is, nobody knows this in TOS. When they discover Khan, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? And you have to search the records. Even Spock is like, I don't know. I've got amnesia. I didn't, I didn't know a Noonien Singh before ever since Strange New Worlds. So this is one of the things that where it just breaks canon massively. I'm happy to resign the TV show as like an alternate history, alternate universe to TOS and the rest of the timeline because just huge gaping holes like that just don't make any sense unless you're going to say at some point that Spock gets his mind wiped again. <laughs> Well, they, they have to give these characters like these stupid backstories, but they also have to have them associated with classic characters, so it makes them seem more important than what they actually are. In a sense, yeah. So when, but the thing is, when she got to go back onto like her, the way she speaks to other characters, Spark and Pike are the draw. That's the reason why we're watching. And of course, I, I guess to an extent, number one, because some fans might be interested to see what would Rebecca remain. Rebecca. What's her name? Rebecca Ramajaj Ramajin Ramajar sounds Romulan anyway. The woman who did who did you know the the blue makeup in X Men. <laughs> She's number one anyway on the TV show. That character yeah. was in one episode in TOS, so people want to see her her twist on it. But you've got three, so okay. you've got three legacy characters, and my point is they are the draw. They're the ones that you're watching the TV show for. So with this yeah. La Laan Noonien Singh. When she's disrespecting a legacy character, it's like, oh, okay, that touches a nerve. Never mind the fact that you're also doing that it's under a, a quasi-military organization, which is what you were saying. It's just really weird because he's the one who should be respected on two fronts. One, commanding officer. Two, legacy character that you know isn't going to die, whereas Noonien Singh could die next season because we never see her again anyway, do we? Well, you mentioned as well, like, uh, characters who are like, basically got plot armor and can't die. I feel you feel like outside of that, you've got like Pike who knows his future or whatever in like, right. the, like next 10 years. I'm there thinking, knowing this as watching as a normal uh, audience member, I'm like, wouldn't he make, wouldn't that character then be like, well, whatever scenario I'm in now, I already know my fate 10 years from now. So I don't really care about the stakes. That's what I felt like when I watched it. I thought Pike's going to be like, well, I'm pretty much invincible. I know my fate could happen 10 years. So any, any situation scenario, I, for me, I'd be like, I'm not going to die. I can do anything. I'm not going to die. Right. So it creates this little bit of... I know what you're saying, because, because someone else mentioned this. Uh, I think the Penske File podcast mentioned this, where you basically have a character who knows he's not going to die for 10 years. So he could 
it could he could express himself as a kind of captain that could be a little bit cavalier, a little bit reckless mm. in what he does because he's so sure of himself. And the show doesn't yeah. doesn't really do that. You just have him brooding and being doubtful of what he can do. But he's in essence immortal for the next ten years. But at the same time, the thing that creates the accident and fucks him up for life, so he has to live on the pleasure pl- on this planet with the Thelosians in TOS, is it's just a training day. So why don't you just postpone the training day, or why don't you just do the system checks for those particular reactors that are going to go AWOL or whatever? It's just a bunch of kids anyway. I mean, the stakes don't seem to be that much of a big deal. If it was a case of, oh, we're doing, uh, we're on a ship trapped, we don't, and, and the, the future, you know, him getting the, the vision doesn't explain how he gets on this ship, he doesn't know what ship it is, and he's trapped yeah. near the Romulan neutral zone or something, and he gets fucked up. But if he, if, he, if he doesn't do something while on that ship, then it changes history, whatever. Then I could understand, because the stakes are actually meaningful. But this is just five or six kids on a training exercise. So you just postpone it if he knows. It, it, it sort of contradicts itself. Part of me wonders if they're going to finish this series altogether with Pike's supposed death. And yeah. if they're going to gonna mull on it and say, oh, he might die, he might die, uh, and so he'd be disabled for the rest of his life, and then he's a joke in a future armor episode. Do yeah. the foot taps. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> well, I believe that they won't do it. And if they don't do it, then they're kind of confirming that this is an alt universe. Because what's the point of mulling over this for, that, for it then to happen? It's like as though it, the show is saying, we can't rewrite history. We can't rewrite destiny. But the show is also trying to say, well, what if we did? But we won't. But what if we did? But we won't. <laughs> so the twist should be that they should. Yeah, they already hinted that it could be changed in some way, or it doesn't have to be dead on. I think like, one of his. Uh friends that he was talking to she was like oh it's not a definite it's not a certainty like you can you don't have to yeah, be number one to that fate it's already sort of out there but probably going to change anyway the show's already told you this so it's just weird and i'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do that's part yeah. of the draw for me to see what will he will he won't he and i'm leaning towards yeah. the won't because it's kind of a it's kind of a well it's predictable and it's an unsatisfying yeah. conclusion to the character in a way yeah, it's but like when anyway. they were being chased by that ship, or they were both it was his ship and Kirk's ship chasing after that ship, or whatever. And um, it, Kirk went to him like, "Oh, you flinched. You didn't, you didn't go for it, or whatever." And I was thinking, if he did, then it's like, why? You know that, like you say, you'd be more cavalier, be a bit more daring. Who cares? Like, you know your fate. Speaking of Kirk, before we get onto favorite episodes, it's like as though they need to get the references in so that we're interested. And I'm actually okay with Strange New Worlds not introducing Kirk this early at all. I don't, I don't really want him in the show, especially now that we've seen the kind of Kirk that they're going to give us, who, who looks like a total wetbag, who, who's nothing like the other Shatner that we've... Sorry, the other Kirk that we've got through William Shatner. Even, even the J.J. Abrams Kirk is sort of Kirk. We, we accepted him. Yeah, this is the guy. And, the TV, and this, this guy isn't anything like that at all. I don't understand it. He just looks like some... Beta male. <laughs> He's not the alpha that we grew up. We grew up around. It's so weird. But anyway, he shouldn't be in the sh- shouldn't be in the show. I didn't mind his introduction at the start. I thought he's he's got a look, and I did feel like he did have that that feel a little bit. But I feel like in the next season, they may be doubling down on making him a bit of a a secondary sort of character, a bit of a joke within the show itself, which is a bit of an odd thing to do for such a big character. Yes, I do. I do think that, but it also competes with Pike. This is supposed to be the Pike show. I don't think you. Des- I don't think we deserve both. Yeah, there's no need. There's no need. There's no need for it. There's no need for it. Right, and it goes back to to me. It, it feels of small universe syndrome again, which these shows just don't seem to escape from. Don't want to escape from. And when we get into lower decks, that's even more, even more of what I'm talking about. I like the fact that Kirk's brother is on the Enterprise. Because I think that's canonically true. So you should have just kept with that character and explored him because he's a blank, blank slate for all intents and purposes. And that mustache, goddamn, that gives me 70s porno vibes. It's so good. <laughs> he tells Pike to get a mustache as well at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just in case people think we're super spiteful against the show and they're, they're tuning out, what, what is your favorite episode? Because I actually have a favorite episode. There's one episode that I like, what stood out for you, because it's fresher in your mind. And while you speak, you it gives this, me a chance to remember <laughs> more. 
you say this, but I'm going to like refresh myself on which which episode was my favorite because okay, again, let me run let me run through the quickly then. The first one is they have to go down to a planet, and the planet is sort of they're in disguise, and, and they have to get Spock off the planet because his disguise is wearing off, and the two sides okay. are going to fight. Then you've got Children of the Comet, where there's a ship protecting the comet. Yes, the music stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ghosts of Illyria, where they're trapped. Pike and Spock are trapped on a planet, and the ghosts, the genetically engineered ones, try and get, get them. Memento Mori is when the Gorn are attacking them. Yeah, they're gone, yeah. Yeah, Spock and Mark. That's where they have the. Yeah, I was waiting for that music. I was waiting for it. Waiting for it. And this episode six is "Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach." It's about the little boy that they plug into the computer, and they're like, "Oh no!" Oh yeah, yeah. The Serene Squall, where that transgender pirate takes over because she's banging Cyborg. Right, Cyborg. Do you know who? Do you know who Cyborg is? No. Okay, Cyborg is Spock's half brother. From Star Trek Five, oh, okay. Which, which okay. at the time, by the way, I was like, "Oh fuck this show!" Just so many references to other things. But then I thought, okay, there's a chance to explore it, maybe. And they didn't really show you. We're just saying that he's in the universe. Okay, so I'm I'm fifty fifty with that. But again, because of the small world syndrome, uh, the Elysian Kingdom is when they're stuck in the nebula and they pretend to be characters of book. Uh, All those who wander. That's the episode where it's the Gorn episode where that Andorian dies. The Andorian engineer, probably the um, Hammer, uh, probably the best character, by the way, on the show. And then the last one is the Quality of Mercy, which is like a like an alternate universe of ah, um, oh, probably one of the best TOS episodes. The what's it called? Shit, see, I'm not good with TOS, but it upset a lot of fans. Oh, the last one. Yeah, the Quality of Mercy, and then it's I think it's the Errand of Mercy. Shit, people are probably just ah, okay. oh, you're an idiot. Why don't you know your Star Trek? You know, now you've refreshed my memory. I think I, I like the one where they did go to other planet. He's recognised a, a woman that he's come across before that civilization, and in the end, basically the, the the kid gets sacrificed so the rest of their society can continue on or whatever. It's a great sacrifice and a great honour. Um, and he he realising this is like, what the hell is going on here? And to me, I was there thinking they were gonna like, obviously. Get out of it, and the kid was going to survive, and all happy ending sort of thing. But they actually just killed the kid, and I was like, "Wow, that's dark." And I thought, "Wow, good. That's yeah, it's good though that they went that direction." It was like, "Wow, there's not many shows that all sort of like kill kids on screen." So (laughs) I was just like, "Jesus, they actually went there and they did it." So that's pretty cool. You know, dark and like sort of in a twisted sort of way. Yeah, it's like the reality, the reality of like. Probably a lot of cultures and stuff from the past, even like like today, like you sort of do that sort of thing, sort of yeah. have a warped sense of like their reality of like, you know, it's fine, it's fine to do this. You kill people anyway in your own ways. So carry on. I would say it's a poor metaphor, but it's a metaphor for how we cheat, how we treat children even today, where you've got kids picking out precious you know metals from from scrapyards. That's what I mean, yeah, and just toiling yeah. away. Uh, and we don't care about them. And I like the acting of Pike's character and then those two interacting and her telling him, yeah, that's what it is. And her fully, him knowing this is fully, she's fully aware of this the situation and the horror and the look on his face as this person that he's been like romantically involved with and considered a friend could be possible, could be, you know, responsible. Yes. Sort of act. And he's just like, and he doesn't even, the argument just ends and he just beams himself away because he knows it's like, there's no argument here to, to be had. What can I say? So he just beams off, and then it's just like, wow, what, what a dark, what a dark episode. And in the end, and the guy, the father or whatever, or the guy responsible for the kid, is actually trying to help him and get him out of that. He wasn't the bad guy. So there's that twist in the end there, where it's like, now he's just trying to help the kid get out of it. I think if you don't think enough about the episode, then it works. But when you start looking at the civilization, which is spacefaring, why did they need to stay on the planet? Why did they need to plug children into it to keep the paradise? You could just evacuate the planet. It's just that religious side of their civilization, isn't it? I guess it's just that religion just rules all in, in some cultures and stuff. And that's the problem. Can't move away from that. If you somehow limited the planet and you don't give the, the aliens warp drive or something, and it, it's still a shuttle, so, you know, a spaceship that can go, say, like half impulse to the moon and back to Earth yeah. in, in relative 
uh, distances, I mean, and they've just that's yeah. all they've managed to do. But let's say somebody already broke the prime directive, so people know about them, then you can make an argument because you cannot offload all those people off that planet until until they build enough starships or something. So the Federation could be helping them, but they've got to keep plugging children into the system to keep it stable, right? Then that would be an interesting moral dilemma. We've got to keep them. It makes a stronger case for saying we've got to keep the society running, and you've got to make these sacrifices in order to allow the rest of us to get off the planet. Yeah. That, I think that would be thematically uh, more of a solid approach. Okay, so that one stuck out for you. The, the episode that we're talking about, which is the, quali- the quality of mercy, is doing a riff of, from TOS. It's called The Balance of Terror, which has the guy, basically the actor is called Mark Leonard, who went on to play Sarek, Spock's father. And so that annoyed a lot of people because that episode is seen as one of the best. But on the Internet Movie Database, it's ranked as the 13th best. So someone's, someone's uh, lying here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, wait a wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I've got it. I've got it the wrong way around. Who mourns for Odanis is the first one. That's weird. City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, sorry, third best. Third best. Okay. Do you remember the City, City on the Edge of Forever? It's one that jumped through the time portal and they go back in time and they let this woman die. So speaking of making sure that history continues or society continues, that's oh, a great okay. link, actually. It's with uh, Edith, I think it's Edith Keller, and it's played by um, the woman who married Michael Jackson, Elizabeth Taylor. Okay, yeah. And she supposedly helps, uh, she's fundamental in helping, um, sorry, Joan Collins, in stopping the Nazis. So if you, if you let her die, then the Nazis don't get formed or something in America. <laughs> I can't remember okay. very clearly, but if you're allowed to live, then the Nazis take over the world. Okay. The wow. society, as we know it, falls apart. Right. Second best episode is Mirror Mirror, the evil versions, and then it's Balance of Terror. But anyway, that's that's TOS for you. So what, where, where do you fall then? What, what was your favorite sort of standout episode? This My favorite episode um, is actually the fourth one, but I also don't like it for how it breaks canon. So for all those for okay. all those who get upset at me talking shit about New Trek. I hate one of these episodes that is actually one of my favorite episodes. So, fuck you. <laughs> How's that for ambiguity? Makes sense. <laughs> it makes no yeah. sense. Because basically, in TOS, do you remember, come on, one of, the, one of the most iconic, probably not one of the best, but one of the most iconic episodes is when Kirk powers up his, his uh, hand punch and he starts whacking this lizard creature. Okay? We all know that a combined fist is better than two. So he's like, Smacking him, and he's like, Argh, Argh. "Oh yeah, of course, yeah, of course." But in the episode, you find out that the Gorn are not the bad guys; they're the good guys, and they've been misunderstood, and we've judged them based on their appearance. So it's so it's it's a, it's a metaphor, isn't it, for how we treat others based on how they look? It's now now in this supposed uh, prime timeline TV show that is compatible with TOS, they're just basically intelligent raptors that will kill each other. To get say, over it, to fuck yeah. each other over in order to defeat the bad guys, which is the Federation in, in their twisted, warped sense of thinking. Am I right thinking that the Gorn weren't that big of an enemy? They were just sort of like that thing in Star Trek and there wasn't too much known about them. So they just now create this new narrative. So they just discovered them in the TOS episode that I'm talking about. And then they're not really heard from ever again. But in DS9, they're mentioned a few times where basically they're just living peacefully alongside the federation they don't join the federation now they're just all out like it's just like jurassic park and with spaceships with the raptors they're like they're like predators or something you know from like alien it goes against the point of how they set up the gorn to begin with because now because they didn't know who they were kirk finds them hand to hand and when you watch the later episodes they impregnate you and make you go crazy and it's like damn you're making kirk out to be like a boss now even bigger boss because if this is supposed to be tied in somehow, then he took him on, didn't get impregnated, he didn't die. It, it's so weird. But in, pure, in, in terms of like tension and story, I really enjoyed it. Like The Enterprise, they see that ship and they're going to destroy it. And actually it's a trap and it's like, oh shit, they sacrificed themselves. Which I don't understand. Yeah. Why would you sacrifice yourself in a culture where the strongest is the best and you actually end up killing each other as children? Yeah. Right? It's, it's so weird. But when, but when the Enterprise is like, yeah, we got to win and then the other ship comes in, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and they've really got to think about how to get out of it. And then what I like is that in the next episode, they're, ever, they're repairing the ship. And I like the fact that they yeah. bothered to do the continuity. It isn't like a month later in terms of star dates in yeah. the universe. So 
Yeah, I do like it. I don't like Lon in that episode. I just, I just, but I do yeah. like the way Pike takes control of the situation. I do feel like the Gorn has just been made a bigger threat just to sort of incorporate her tragic backstory. So it's like, ah, oh, tragic backstory attached to this, this, this new, this, this race that's now, now a new thing. It's got a new origin and all this sort of thing. And she's just there, like, even in the situation, she's like, oh, no. I, like, she knows them because she survived it. Not many people survived, but I did. And you've got to listen to me because I know how they think. And it's like, oh, just, just, just piss off. Clicks and everything. Off. Yeah. It's like she knows. She's, she, she knows more than everybody else. It's like, oh, why? And again, somehow Spock will forget this in TOS. There's so much shit for Spock to forget. <laughs> so they'd be like, well, let me analyze that, Captain Kirk. Oh, let me see about that. Let me check the computer records. <laughs> that reminds me of another episode as well, but you mentioned Spark. It's like him him swapping, body swapping with um to bring his girlfriend. Yeah, to bring. That was quite that was quite interesting, quite comical because you've got these two serious Vulcans who dead like logic and stuff like that. And they just accidentally body swap. And they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's new, and it, it's sort of filling out uh, the Vulcan culture a little bit more. It's kind of fun, but I didn't... I mean, it's, its intentions are fun, but I didn't find it funny or entertaining. I just found it quite boring, and the resolution where I think another Vulcan gets punched in the face or something. Uh, yeah, it's just like, like... Spock, who yeah, occupies the spring, and he punches the guy she was going to go see. Right. It's so weird. It just doesn't work. To me, it just doesn't... Again, it's another episode that doesn't work, but at the same time, it's trying to do something interesting. So this is... Again, this is why I can respect this season, this single season of Star Trek. And someone made the point that because this is TOS, effectively, prequel TOS, if any of the TV shows wanted to fill each episode with references, it's this series. Discovery has, like, dribbles running around the fucking starship, for, for example. And changelings and it's just full of member berries but but strange new worlds compared doesn't actually have that much going for it in terms of member berries it's actually trying to do certain things which i can respect i liked when i went to each episode i didn't know what i was going to get so it was a different formula every time so i like that i like that sense of not knowing not knowing there's going to be a, just a straightforward you know a story going forward or formula of the, of the actual show it was just like it was everything was different so then you get a feel for it in the next few minutes at the intro. You'd be like, okay, it's going to be that sort of episode. Okay, cool. Like, that's what separates it from everything else in New Trek. So it sets it apart. It sets it apart. Again, it's not as dark either. It doesn't seem dystopian. It actually does seem like... I can see how they're trying to adapt it to TOS. And a lot of fans are upset mm. that the bridge isn't canon- canon- canonically the same. They've updated it with the lights and stuff, and I don't like it, but at the same time, you've got to do something to make it appeal to new audiences, I, I think. You couldn't have it be the, the 70s version of the deck, because it's going to look ridiculous now, looking at it, you're like, ah, you can't really. You could, they could have done it to a little bit of a, a better degree and modernized it a little bit, while still keeping that interior the same, but it couldn't be dead on. It'd just be too much on the nose and too much jarring watching it. Possibly. When they did that episode with Deep Space Nine, it was, it was like that when they sort of imposed their own those characters in a, a Star Trek Yeah, the Trouble with Tribbles. No, no, it wasn't. Something else. But okay, yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah, it was, that, it was like well, that. Well, Trials and Tribulations. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was well done, but it was just kind of like, oh, look how weird it just looks in comparison to like Deep Space Nine and you've got this Star Trek from the 70s. You're like, ah. Well, well actually, it's from the 60s. Well, okay. <laughs> so it makes it even more uh, meaningful in a way that you're trying to adapt a 60s TV show to a 90s, which they did. And they did it in they did it 20 years ago with Enterprise. They did they went back to the original bridge and they gave us an, a CGI version of the TOS version of Gorn of the Gorn as well. Yeah, it's 20. It's so weird, but Enterprise is 20 years ago, and yet it's really old. But it's not for us. Whereas when we were kids, 60s TV shows were really old in the 80s. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But Enterprise, you know, was shot in 4K anyway. So it's got these modern, it's got these traits of a modern production process CGI ships, 4K resolution, all that jazz. So part of me is sort of like, they should have kept the original bridge, but the other part of me is like, well, 
maybe not and just just admit it's not it's not it's an alternate universe to the prime timeline it just has to be there's just so many things just admit it i just want someone you know like alex kurzman or akiva goldsman to say you know what everything we've done is not prime timeline but it doesn't matter and you just like get loads of respect from the original fans who want the prime timeline protected and not well i feel like it probably should be because it's it's connected with freaking discovery so you assume that it wasn't part of that prime timeline right but they're, they're rewriting the prime timeline to insert all of their all of what they want to talk about and use the legacy characters to sort of attract us to watching it which is what this is which is strange new world sort of like a microcosm of that you've got pike and spark and yet they want to introduce lan and the other characters that i can't remember hammer who i don't have a problem with but you can't have your cake what's that phrase you can't have your cake and eat it just say it's not prime canon alternate canon and then you can do whatever you want as well it's just a win-win-win as michael scott would say okay so we've we've talked about favorite episodes who's your favorite character it's got to be a, a mix of either like, I like Pike or, or Spock. You know, I feel like they do both do a good job. I think the guy who plays Spock does a good job at sort of having the same vibe and sort of feelings as what um, Leonard Nimoy did to Spock. Pike, because he just seems like that sort of alpha male, typical sort of confident sort of character where he's like good looking, he can charm the ladies, he, he knows what to do in every situation pretty much. I like that as about the show as well. Like they're not afraid to have a strong lead character in, in a guy as well it's, it's just it's refreshing especially in today's environment um to have that which is is rare now without making your lead male like an idiot in some manner yeah but i think well obviously they have to they, they've got to make the lead white male because because yeah. of the history of the show yeah so i'm not going to give him any credit for that because i find because i find that when i watched the, when i watched the show i never saw a man and a woman at the con at the front consoles it's always two women one on ops and one on one driving the ship yeah and it's like oh this is suspect like nearly everybody else on the bridge is always a woman always nearly and none of them are ever yeah, in I front did. of pike like oh yeah <laughs> ortega's kind of does my head in as well a little bit in fact that she's so actually like, this ace pilot or this ace navigator that can just maneuver the ship in any way she can so like none of them struggle. None of these female characters struggle with anything. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, guys. Like, it's so on the nose sometimes with some of the things. And yeah, if you wanted to, I mean, people say it's woke, and I kind of do believe it's a little bit, a little bit woke, but you've just, you've just pointed out a difference between the female characters and Pike. What makes Pike so much better is that he does struggle. He's not a perfect captain, and he's having these doubts, and yet the female characters don't at all. Yeah. Maybe Lan, maybe. Just have, they just have tragic backstories. Even with Lan, it's just, it's, she can do everything, but she's just got a tragic backstory, which makes her even better, because when she overcomes <laughs> these things, it's better. I actually like... Go on. Sorry, I thought you finished. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, go, go on. on. You go on. That was, all my, that was my thought. That was my thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I actually like Ortegas, because one, she's, she's incredibly hot, and two, she doesn't have a tragic backstory. In fact, you don't know anything about her, because no episode is focused on her yet. Which is really weird because she's one of the main cast and yet she's got nothing. Uh, but I don't like the way she speaks. We can go back to the dialogue, but she said to some guy in, in, in the corridor, whatever tweaks your freak, man. And it's like, this is just 20th, 21st century dialogue. <clears throat> it, it takes me out of it so much. And you know why? Yeah. Because all the fucking writers are CW writers. Oh, are they? Yeah, when I did my episode reviews, I, I made sure to research who the writers were and they've all done CW stuff. And Akiva Goldsman, who's in charge of the, the, you know, he's like the lead writer or the producer. He's the guy who wrote like Batman and Robin. Oh, right. Okay. That's his filmography. Let me, let me have a look here. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Lost in Space, iRobot, uh, Da Vinci Code, I Am Legend. That's what those are the things. Oh, Transformers, uh, The Last Night. He's done that as well. There's all sorts of like shit movies that he's done and how he gets to be in charge of Star Trek. I don't know. <laughs> but, but there we are. Uh, yeah. What about you? What's your favorite character? My favorite character is actually Hammer. So I was kind of annoyed that they okay. got rid of him. But you have to acknowledge that they do have to get rid of him somehow because Scotty becomes the engineer. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like how he was impregnated and he sacrificed himself for that. I think he's such a great character. They should they should have just let him transfer away and kill kill Lan. <laughs> 
did you did you know that his species of and of Andorian is actually a reference to Enterprise? Was it? Yeah, because Andorians are blue, right? And they've got the little things on their head. But in Enterprise, they create a subspecies of Andorians who live under the ice planet, and they're blind. And so he's a reference okay. to the to Enterprise. Oh, uh, okay. Which I actually liked, and he's just a nice guy all round, and he and he tutors Uhura, but then they kill him, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's not fair. Yeah, they could have kept him around playing... for like season two. Yeah, they could have kept him around. They could have kept him around for season two. And the actor playing uh, Hemmer is actually blind as well. Oh, is he? Yeah. So for real. Wow, okay. So yeah, wow. there's 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 like a cute reference, and then there's also giving that guy work as a blind character yeah. because he is blind, which which I kind of which I kind of liked. But uh, other than that, I'm not really interested in any of the other characters because even the legacy ones because. I know they're not doing them properly. See, you see how I oscillate between liking it and disliking it. It's like my favorite show, but I don't like any of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. I'm interested to see how it, how it pans out. I mean, Pike only had one episode for Christ's sake, so I'm kind of interested to see obviously how he develops and will he will he or won't he get put in the wheelchair? <laughs> I'm worried a little bit a bit apprehensive about season two because. I feel like the, the, this, this first season's got quite a, you know, a bit of success. It's been sort of liked and picked up by the fan base. And now people doing this now are like, oh, now we can do something. I feel like they're going to do something ridiculous in season two, like make characters do stupid things, where it's going to be a bit more comically toned yeah. in that way. A bit more. And I'm like, oh, I hope they don't do anything like that because I actually quite enjoyed the first season. I thought it was fun. I thought that they did each episode very different and it was new and it felt fresh. I really hope they don't go to a formulaic sort of thing where it's like it's going to feel like every other show out there, you know, where they have to infuse comedy with everything, or they have to take some sort of stupid angle of all the characters, or like treat the male characters like idiots. Or I can, I don't know. I just got a bad feeling about season two. Okay, Scotty, I don't think is in season two. I think they've got another engineer. It's like maybe okay. they'll rinse through three or four different engineers to establish that the ship has had a history of engineers, and then it, it ends with Scotty's. Uh, hand at the at the controls. Yeah, because in Star Trek, Captain Kirk was not the first to pilot. Sorry, to command the ship, and neither was Pike. There was another captain called uh, Ro- uh, Robert April, and it was like an in joke, but it was also to suggest that the ship was not brand new ever. It was already like twenty years old by the time we jump on board with them in the t- in the TV show. So the Black Admiral that they meet, I think, is Robert April. If I've got it right, they meet the Black Admiral. And he is supposed to be the original captain. Okay. Right. But that's also upset a lot of fans because Robert April was never black in the animated TV show. He was actually white. So they race swapped him. And people are like, why, okay. why, why race swap him? And other people say, well, why not? Who cares? It's just a TV show from the animated. And it's just an animated TV show. But as Robert Meyer Burnett pointed out, who is sort of like so much more knowledgeable about TOS, there are already black admirals featured in TOS. So why don't you just use that admiral? Why do you have to race swap the white one? It's weird because they already exist, the black ones already exist, and they're actually in the TV. They're actually in the TOS TV show as live animated character, live characters. Sorry. So why do that? And it's like, okay, is that because they don't understand the history of Star Trek? They don't know. They, and they're trying to do an interesting callback, but could they be more clever with it? But they don't. There's, to me, there's interesting questions there on a on a production standpoint. Like why didn't you do it that way? Why did you have to race swap one of them? And other people say, oh, I'm not interested. The character was never, I've never watched TAS, so fuck it. Stop moaning, stop saying there's a political agenda there. That's it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, but no, but it lends credence to the idea that Strange New Worlds is woke. And I don't actually think it is woke to the same degree as Discovery, but I do think they are trying to elevate certain interpretations. There are certain aspects, but. I didn't get a feel of that. I didn't get a feel of any wokeness within the show that I was watching. It wasn't like jarring or hitting me in the face like some of the shows out there do. Like I, I didn't get any sense of that really, apart from like Lan's character and then a little bit with Ortega doing, you know, the way she speaks and stuff like that. There was wasn't anything sort of really, yeah. There. They are a little bit uh, masculine, which I don't think they should be. Una, by the way. Who you barely fucking see in this season, which is really weird because she's supposed to be the second. She's supposed to be the Riker of the of the Enterprise, 
right? Oh, yeah. It, it yeah. seems more like Spock is, but he's just the science officer. He's not, he's not promoted yet to first officer. It's really weird that she barely features in these episodes as a main character. And you forget, I forgot her name, forgot her first name, and I forgot that she was on the show sometimes because she just wasn't present. That's number one, isn't it? Yeah, number one. So it's so weird. And then what they did to Uhura, I think, is it's terrible. If you, if you go back and look at classic Uhura, she's a, she's a beautiful woman with beautiful hair. And they give you this short, podgy, shaven head woman. It's like, why did you do that? You've, you've, you've sort of made her sort of masculine, you've given her masculine traits as well because she looks, she looks so hench. And it's a shame. It's like, I mean, there's being woke and giving women male characteristics. And if, when we get into lower decks, Mariner is just a piece of shit. If it, if it, was, if it was a guy, she would be, she would be, he would be interpreted as, you know, a chad, a piece of shit, yeah, disrespectful, yeah. all these things. But Mariner isn't because she's a woman, but she's got the masculine traits. Whereas with Uhura, you've, you've ruined her natural feminine beauty. You didn't do it in the J.J. Abrams verse. You had the woman from Guardians of the Galaxy. I can't remember her name, but you had her. And it was like, that continues the lineage of introducing a beautiful black woman on screen in a, in a pivotal role. And then you've got this little frumpy dumpy <laughs> with no hair. It's like, why did you do that? What's wrong with casting a, a you know a Nubian a Nubian princess? I suppose you could just be like, well, she's growing it. She's 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 growing into that sort of that character. It's oh, like, Adam, that's so deep because she's got to grow her hair at the same time, and it's oh, that's so layered. Oh, Adam, yeah. I didn't see that. That's so cool. I'm definitely gonna watch it. <laughs> watch it. It's a metaphor. You're growing her hair. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking the piss out is. of you. I'm taking the piss out of the show. No, the show is, if, if you think about it as subtext. <laughs> no, I fucking hate it. They should have got a more beautiful woman to play her. A more feminine, sorry, a more feminine woman to play her. Oh, well, she looks all right. No, no, that's why I corrected myself. I think she should be more feminine. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get I'll get demonetized for being racist or some shit. Oh, you're, you're like slagging her off. Yeah, I'm not slagging. I'm slagging off the character, not the actor. Sure. Uh, do, you, do you have anything else to share about Strange New Worlds? Uh, clearly, you're going to watch season two. I am as well. There's enough there for me. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping they don't have like. I hope they continue each episode being different and it's its own thing. I hope they don't just have a one big narrative, and then they just all go off on an adventure somewhere. Yeah. I hope that. Because I saw one scene where they, I think they went down to a planet and I think Kirk was pissing around with like a revolving door. And yeah. I was like, I really hope they don't, they don't butcher this. I really hope they don't ruin they, it. They already have, Adam. It's such a good start. Just roll with no, it. Don't. Just roll with it. Although, I'll tell you something. There is some serialization because there are some things that characters do between episodes. Sort of like how DS9 mm. did it. For example, Mbenga's daughter. Who, by the way, we haven't even talked about. Mbenga is a really cool character. And he's actually in TOS. Oh, they just, the doctor? Yeah, they've lifted him from TOS and made him the chief medical officer of okay. the Enterprise. But maybe McCoy comes in and he gets shifted to another position. I don't know. I liked the idea that he's keeping... I kind of liked it. The idea of his daughter being put inside the transporter, right? I was going to ask you about that as well. But it doesn't work inside, again, the canon of the show, of the canon of the franchise. You can't keep someone in permanent stasis inside a transporter the, the particles just disperse after like 30 or 40 seconds and there's been an entire yeah. episode based around this so some people are saying why don't you just put her in the fucking freezer but then you wouldn't be able to have her coming out you couldn't keep thawing her freezing her thawing her freezing her it's really weird and then the way they get rid of her was not interesting whatsoever oh the, the magic nebula person will just look after her how do you know don't care let's just get rid of this interesting aspect to Mbenga yeah so weird. I thought they would have played with it for longer. Maybe take it into three seasons. You just know there's a child stuck in the medical transporter who should be frozen. I was going to ask you about that because I didn't know the logistics or like the lore of that. I didn't know if that was even possible or if it was even a thing they could do. Right. So I was kind of like, oh, okay then. And then yeah, at the end of the episode, they sort of like quickly wrapped it up with like our oh, magic cloud thing has helped little girl, and then they've just blow it off, and then. All of a sudden, she's come back because time works differently. He can then be resolved as a character. And I'm like, everything's okay. You don't have to feel guilty or worry about anything. So you can just go about your life now and be a, a normal, restored character. 
you don't have to have any sort of right. tragic backstory or any scarring from this. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, it, it's so weird. The massive, the massive, the massive weight of that decision to let your daughter go, and it doesn't matter. There's no weight to it anymore, so you're okay. Well, you know what that is. That's a metaphor, basically, for how black men in America abandon their children, and that's why the black community is in a in fucking omni shambles in terms of the affairs. Okay, that's what the show is saying. That's the subtext, Adam. Just he just goes, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> The magic, some magic solution will will allow my child to grow up. That's and that's what that's what the show is saying. That that's how black men think. Yeah. It's, that's, 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 <laughs> oh shit. Uh, yeah, it was just bullshit. And again, yeah. they set something up that could have been interesting, even though it was canon breaking. Mm. And then they just get rid of it after what eight episodes, seven episodes? Yeah, eight episodes. Yeah, it's very, very odd decision. Very odd decision. What do you think about uh, Nurse Chapel? By the way, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> You know how to sexualize these um, characters, Adam, especially when they're in cat suits that are tight fitting. How dare you, you, sh- you sh- chauvinistic pig? You've, you've got a girlfriend. Why are you cheating on her by, by pointing out her beauty and she's hot? How dare you? There's yeah, better adjectives out yeah, there, Adam. Yeah, but it said she's sorry. intelligent, resourceful, clever. You didn't. You yeah, just looked at her and assessed her on her looks. I know. What, what a terrible <laughs> thing to do. What, what such toxic, toxic masculinity you're expressing on my. Exactly. <laughs> how, how how dare I do such a thing? I'm gonna tell your girlfriend. Anyway, go on. <laughs> You're cheating on her. Um, I, I see that she's having this thing with Spock. I guess there's an underlying sort of will they won't they thing with her and Spock, even though Spock's with Tpring, and then she's got a thing about commitment issues and stuff. By the time of TOS, Tpring is not on not on the scene because they broke up, yeah. and yeah, and. There's this sort of feeling that you get from Nurse Chapel that she wants to bang Spock. She she wants him, right? But yeah. this show is pushing it to the front immediately. Yeah. There was an episode, I think it was episode five, where they talk about her attraction to Spock. Okay. And do you remember she was dating a guy in yeah. the show? And then what did he do? Did he just did he get rid of her? Did she break up with no, him or did he break just, up with her? No, she broke up with him. She's like, she's just bored. She was just like, oh, and she's scared of commitment. I get the characters. She doesn't want to commit to any one person. Um, so she's very, yeah, she doesn't like relationships in that sort of way for some reason. I don't know the full ins and outs of why she doesn't want to commit or she's afraid right. of commitment. But um, I think she likes, well, she obviously is attracted to Spock. And I think she likes the idea of being with Spock. I don't know why they can't just be friends and have that sort of platonic sort of relationship and friendship because there's nothing wrong with that. I don't understand why it has to be like we're in love or she's like majorly attracted to him. Uh, it could just be two people who are friends and, you know. But I suppose it's more interesting for the audience if there is a sort of that sort of narrative within this season. Uh, so just moving on to the second season, you've seen the trailer and you don't like the way they treated Kirk, I'm guessing, with the revolving door joke, right? Yeah. I, I read an article where it explains. Basically, Kirk's line when he says, I'm from outer space, that's supposed to be a joke, right? But in Star Trek Four, the woman who's the whale biologist, she says, are you from outer space? He's like, I'm not from outer space. I just work in outer space. He's from Iowa, whatever it is. Mm. And people are pointing out, or sorry, the writer of this article pointed out that that joke is for normies. So while all the, fa- all the hardcore fans are getting annoyed by the fact that he says, I'm from outer space, and he's not from outer space, the joke works for normies who don't know the TV show had movies yeah. made about it first so it's like okay well this is what we're doing with this with with probably strange new worlds overall it's just like a refresher or an introduction to the star trek universe and they can claim some space before watching tos they can leave their mark yeah. on it it, it also <laughs> seems like with, with that trailer and that sort of thing it's like kirk's now going to be a standard one of the character and a long-term cast member yeah. So I thought he was going to be in that episode and maybe a couple of episodes and that would have been it. You know, and that's what it should have been, if, if anything, if he, if he had to be there. I don't think he should be a permanent cast member um, because it doesn't fit. I'm just checking out the character now, uh, his filmography. Let's see, let's see if they've got any episodes. Uh, let's see. Let's see if Paul Weasley is in. He looks like an older version of uh, the... Who's that prick? That Canadian uh, singer. The young guy. Come on, help me out. Yeah, Canadian Justin Bieber. Guy, Justin Bieber. There you go. Oh my god. 
It looks like him. Here we go. So, Strange New Worlds. So far, he's in, he's in one episode. Season 2. Let's have a look here. Uh, Anson Mount. No, he doesn't say how many episodes he's in. Because I feel like if they're going to have lots of appearances of him in the show, then you kind of are undermining um, Pike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it should be the Pike show. Oh, yeah. Just looking at the writers, they've only got the writers uh, acknowledged on the Wikipedia. Basically, all, nearly all of the writers from season one are here, except for a couple. But they've got Kirsten Beyer writing episode four, and she is the writer of all the Star Trek Voyager continuation novels, apart from the first two or three, which were Christy Golden. And okay. she also is a writer for Discovery. And she tried to pitch episodes on Voyager itself. And the woman, the producer in charge, Jerry Taylor, said, we're not interested. And somehow she became the Voyager writer. And then through that, she became a Discovery writer. And she's fucking gash. <laughs> I fucking hate her writing. She's not a good writer. In, in the books, in the books, you know, do you remember Q's son? Q has a yeah. son. In one yeah. of the books, spoilers coming ahead, basically Q sacrifices himself to save Janeway because she dies in the novels. Yeah. And, and yeah, the consequences are all galactic stuff again, galactic wide, just like in Discovery. So you can probably see how they get this idea. It's just bullshit. I've never read those books. I don't want to. And I don't think she's a very good writer. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to this. Again, the rest of them are just CW writers for the most part. And a lot of them don't have experience. When you look on their internet movie database, a lot of them actually haven't yeah. written a lot. And then they're given Star Trek. And it's so weird that this is, this is supposed to be prestige TV. And yet you've got immature writers. I'm not, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean that they're not probably as developed as other seasoned writers. Well, if that's the case, I'm surprised that the, some of the episodes in season one are actually as good as they are then really <laughs> that's the case. well it's true though if you're okay, saying okay. That they're not yeah. that season's veterans then it makes it's like wow okay that's pretty good then maybe it's like a fresh take on it maybe it is a healthy thing maybe it's like if you've got writers who are not jaded or overworked maybe maybe you get a bit more better material uh, and that's saying a lot because like you said when you soon as you said that the cw writers i was kind of i was like oh fringy a little bit 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 taken aback because I'm like, oh, I know how bad some of those shows are, but it's sort of, you wouldn't get that feel or that taste by watching um, Strange New Worlds. I, don't, I didn't get any of that sense that, because CW shows are typically bad for like their drama and their sort of teen angst, whereas I don't have, there's not much of it in Strange New Worlds. There are hints of it in some of the characters, but it's not overly overbearing. Okay, I don't, I don't feel they're writing in the style of how those characters would have spoken. Then they haven't got the dialogue right. Like I said, yeah, yeah, period the specific. Dialogue is, is too is too up to date. It's too modern era. Yeah. Yes. One of the writers is called Robin Vasserman, and she she is forty four. And when you go on her Wikipedia page, all she's ever written are novels for teenagers. Okay. Like teen, like for example, the Seven Deadly Sins from Simon and Schuster features seven morally bankrupt teenagers in a small California town. Each novel revolves around one of the sins and each character's transgressions specific to that sin. That's okay. Yeah. And yeah, it's just teen. It's just all they've written. This particular person is just teen drama. And then they get, and then they get Star Trek. I'm not saying she can't write for anything else, but that's the experience. And then she's jumped yeah. on board and I'm like, eh. and she wrote the Spock Amok episode, by the way. Oh, okay. It could be a money thing as well, so it's cheaper to get these younger, you know, less experienced uh, writers in. Probably a, a budgetary thing as well. Yeah, possibly. I like the fact that you're more you're more positive interpreting why these writers are on the show, whereas whereas I'm not. <laughs> Speaking of writers, because I don't want to do lower decks today. By the way, if you're okay, we can do it. We can do it next week and just keep the episode short. Um, yeah, that's but fine. the writers' strike is on at the moment. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And a lot of the writers that I'm seeing that are striking are actually bad. They're bad writers. And maybe it's because of my feed and I'm, I'm, I'm doing Star Trek stuff. But you see Star Trek writers posting like the strikes and stuff. And it's like, guys, I mean, nothing against you personally as, as a person, but your writing is bad. You should not be front and center of the strike because at the moment, there's a lot of shit TV. 
and it's because of the writing. People understand it's not the production values, it's not the CGI anymore, yeah. it's not the acting, it's actually the writing. And because of this political left-wing ideology that is present in Hollywood, you do not have the sympathy of the audiences. And some people are already saying, it feels like these TV shows are written with chat, with chat GPT already. And so what benefit are you? I think you need good yeah. writers to stand up and be more vocal and put themselves present on social media, talk about these things. So on my Twitter account for, for Star Trek, I'm having a go at the writers saying you, shouldn't, you should, probably shouldn't you know, tweet and get support. But on my main account, I'm much more supportive of the general uh, issues surrounding the strike and that writers should get paid. But at the same time, I don't believe that bad writers should be supported by a union. That's the, one of the problems with a union. The union will carry bad writers or bad workers. Yeah. And they just happen to be Star Trek writers. <laughs> I don't think it's just Star Trek. I think Disney and Marvel have a problem with that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my forte is Star Trek. But yeah, Star Wars and, Mar and Marvel. I mean, I, I'm not interested. Totally go off topic, but I'm not interested in any Marvel movie at the moment. Not even the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just not interested. Yeah. And it's sad, really. I, I'm not like Marvel cinematic universe has been completely stale and off to me i haven't been even interested in going to watch it to the point where it used to be an event you know going to see a marvel film used to be an event and now it's like i'm not bothered i won't go out of my way to see it the only like i say the only one that i did recently and i bought tickets i i saw guardians and i thought it was okay i thought it was all right it's the best as of recent memory because everything around it has been so shitty that in comparison it just looks like steps beyond what anything's put out there at the moment but you, and, you're saying um, you've watched guardians 3 yeah i've watched it yeah okay 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 right we can save that for another time when you've seen it and stuff like that but overall though i did think it was a decent movie but because i'm so messed around with the rest of the marvel films what they've been i've just it's probably not hard to be good or look good in comparison to those things that are really shitty out there at the moment because every film that's come out after the recent spider-man film has been terrible yeah, yeah, Spider-Man was the last decent movie. Yeah, that's the last decent one. And I, this, this recent Guardians one is good, but then it's good in comparison to the, everything that's shit around it. And that's the problem. But I still had a good time with it, and I still liked it. For sure. It's interesting at the same time that you've got, you've got them protesting, and we know, we know which franchises are suffering, but there are, there are a ton of good writers that are sort of getting drowned out by the fact that there's so much sludge that we could watch on TV. Uh, For Mankind is really good, and I've not heard anything from that particular Star Trek writer who's writing that TV show, or even the Orville. I haven't heard anything from them. It's a shame, really, because they're the ones who, who, who you can say, yeah, the WGA are, are justified in uh, what the things that they're proposing in terms of residuals and whatnot, and uh, the Star Trek writers should just take a back seat. Just, just pick it. Don't advertise yourself on Twitter, because you don't have the public support. <laughs> But I will, I will watch the show. It comes out on June the 15th, for season two, I mean. Are you interested in doing a weekly podcast series again? Are you going to be up for it? Yeah, I we can do that, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's, yeah, let's do that then. Okay. But yeah, I, 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 am, I am interested to see how they continue the story. I don't even know how many seasons it's supposed to go on for. That's the worrying thing as well. If they've already committed to Pike having a 10-year sort of until his death or you know, accident, and it's kind of like, how many seasons are they going to stretch this out to? Because yeah. obviously it is episodic, but it has got that, that background sort of noise of the main plot line, which is his, yeah. you know, his fate, basically, in the background. So it'd be interesting to see where they take it or how many seasons they want to try and stretch this out to. Depends, I guess, on viewership and the studio is interested still. And so it all depended on, on that, really. Okay, well, I'll just have to wait and see. Let's leave it there, yeah? Let you rest your voice. Yeah, if my energy has been lower, then it's the reason is because I can't, I can't even laugh properly because my, my, it hurts my throat. So I'm just like... Well, thank you for turning up today. I wanted to. I wanted to continue the... I wanted to continue was like having this trend, putting stuff out there. So let's, right. let's keep it going. Let's keep the momentum going, you know. Okay, if you can. I mean, don't, don't force yourself. No, no, I, I, I enjoy <laughs> it. I enjoy it. It's just uh, tonight is harder because... Yeah. See, my, my throat is like... <clears throat> I, can, I, can, uh, I can do it every week if we keep it short as well. Yeah. If we try and do it inside a Zoom session. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Uh, I'm going to 
uh stop recording uh thanks for listening everyone and uh yeah tap the tap the show notes and the links in, in the description and all that jazz <laughs> who's here who's here at the end exactly